Hi. Hey, everybody. Hello. Oh, my goodness. It has been quite the week. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Hope everybody's doing okay and has regained power and water. Yeah. Mm. We uh, are totally keeping everybody in our hearts and mind and hope that you have somehow survived or are surviving the epic snow Yeah, snowpocalypse. I love that. Oh, snowpocalypse of 20. I keep wanting to say 2020. I but it's 2020 on everything recently. It's like the year that won't end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah, exactly. They're just like bleeding into each other and it is not fair. So 2020, the sequel, I guess. <laughs> 2020 means just go. Yeah. All right, y'all. We have an awesome show planned for y'all tonight. We have one of my library nerdy friends, Sherry Gick, Five Star Technology here. I'm so excited to hear about her and her journey through technology. So today we're going to be teching with Sherry, and I can't oh, wait God. to get started. Awesome. Well, let's roll that intro. Sherry, thanks for having me. Yes, oh, of course. Here. I know I'm that intro. I'm like grooving. I was like, whoa, going on camera. Better stop the dancing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you and, and Stephanie go back, but this is the first time I'm meeting you, Sherry. So I'm I know I've heard a lot about you from Stephanie, about how amazing you are and just how knowledgeable. And I'm just super honored that you're on our little show today. And I have like the incredible honor of even meeting you. So thank you so much for being on our show today. Again, thanks for having me. And it's great to meet you. And it's probably none of it's true. I'm sure it's all a story. <laughs> <laughs> so we usually start our shows with book talks since it's What Are You Reading Wednesday. So do you want to start us off with what you're reading? So I just finished reading um, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And that is our book club for this month. So, and um, it was amazing. I totally recommend it. Uh, I usually stay in that YA genre, you know, as far as like, I love YA since I used to be a um, librarian, right? As far as like, but I love picture books and graphic novels. But with our book club, it's teachers, um, some former teachers that I used to work with. And so, you know, we have this nice little small group and try to stretch out of my comfort zone and read adult books, which always sounds so dirty when I say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> adult yeah oh, but you know, because we're so used to um, genre-fying, right? As far as like, we know mm -hmm. what genre we're reading, but the Midnight Library, it's all about um, the in-between. And so um, this, this woman wants to die basically. And she goes, when she's in this state, kind of, again, the in-between, it's a library filled with books and every book that she takes is a different choice. So she says, I wish I had not talked to this 
guy at the coffee shop, as an example, right? And so then how her life plays out by making different choices. And every time, if, if she doesn't feel settled into what the new life looks like, she gets sent back to the library. And I think I'm getting so chills cool. telling you about it because it's, of course, library. I had to read it because of that. But mm-hmm. Matt Haig, he's such a talented writer and interweaving in mental health and choices and things like that. So definitely add it to your list if, you, if it's not already there, right? That's so good. It's like giving you the option to go to an alternate reality. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's like all these, I mean, again, pa- parallel universes, I guess, right? Like if, if you just made this one little choice differently, then what's that ripple effect? What? How does that change literally your entire life? It's like a choose your own adventure. Yes, it truly, it truly is, right? As far as I can, I love choose your own adventure. So great. <laughs> Great comparison. So yeah, that's what I just finished. So yeah. That sounds very interesting. I need to read more. Um, well, you know, because I'm a middle school librarian. So everything that I read is children's books, uh, YA, you know, try to keep up with graphic novels. And sometimes you need to just read something for yourself. And I and sometimes I don't know where to begin because I don't do advisory readers advisory for adults all the time you know and if I do it's usually like books for professional development you know stuff like that or you know the teachers will ask you what's popular with the kids because they want to know but you know we read Addie LaRue and I feel like that kind of it's like if you like Addie LaRue you might like the Midnight Library and I and I really want to Addie LaRue was our um January book club (laughs) I love that I love, love that one. And I think when I, um, when I said something about it, I think I finished it honestly before 2020, before 2021 started, I finished it at the end of the year and decided that it was probably my favorite book. from yes. last year. And, wow. I, and I had a couple, I had one friend that started reading it and she was like, I keep waiting for why Sherry loved it. And then she texted, she was like, Oh, I'm there. I get it now. Right. As far as like, it was that slow burn. And then you're like, Oh my gosh. Exactly. It was a slow burn. I think we even said that on the show, like where it's going. And then, Oh, you know, okay. This is, this is very interesting. I like how the, uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just in so many different ways. So I'm excited because I feel like the midnight library based on what, how you're explaining it might, fall into that category. If you like this, then you might like this. And I'm definitely going to check it out tonight because awesome. I'm done with homework. So <laughs> yeah, and we have extensions on homework and we're already done. So we have time to read. Yeah. Y'all. Getting ahead of the game. I love oh, it. No, we just turned our stuff in on time, but because yeah. of the storm, Sam Houston has been closed all week and they, our professors have just been giving everyone extensions and extensions and extensions. Yes. And yeah. yeah, we're already done. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives us some time to breathe a little bit, like before the next module opens and I can finally catch up with some comics. <laughs> yeah. I am reading, I'm still reading Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Um, my favorite author boyfriend, Jay Kristoff, is writing a new vampire, or he's already finished it. We're just waiting for it to come out now. But he's writing a new vampire novel called Empire of the Vampire. And I'm trying to go through all the books that he said were like his inspiration for these vampires. Yeah. And I grew up on like Stephen King and Anne Rice, but I've never read Salem's Lot. And so I just got, I got it, the print version from the Austin Public Library. And I I don't know why, but I feel like now that I'm in my thirties, 
I can't read print books anymore mm-hmm. because I can't like zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> so I got it on my Kindle. Oh my God. It is so creepy. I love it though. Um, and then just reading research articles because school. But yeah. I'm totally looking down at my Goodreads because I am not a Stephen King reader. And I have a really good friend that loves Stephen King. And I finally read my first Stephen King book last year Which one? because I am an awful, I have an awful memory. This is why I have a phone that remembers everything for me. So yeah. I remember which one, because I was like, I need the least creepy of Stephen King's books to yeah. read. Right? Like I'm not, not into the horror genre and I don't really want to be scared. So I love my, what I think is the least creepy is the girl who loved Tom Gordon. I love it. It's about a little girl who gets lost and she's in the woods and she has to survive. And she ends up trekking, like, I want to say from like California to Washington on her own. And I mean, there's a monster that's following her, but it never goes into too much detail about the monster. It's more about her and like her survival and spoilers. She survives. (laughs) gets out in the end but I already know there's kind of a happy ending right as far as like that goes creepy but it's not scary and that's one of my favorites and it's not too long either I love it I'll be scrolling like that's gonna drive me crazy (laughs) so um yeah talk amongst yourself while I try and remember the name of this one I I can tell you as far as like I think it appears in other books so it's like um the teenagers are taken away from their home and they don't know that their parents are killed when this happens. And they're taken to this place where um, their powers are honed. So it's Ooh. it's like, oh, it's more like for me, I was like, oh, I can get into this because it has that element of supernatural, natural slash sci-fi that I really enjoy. And again, I don't know what the name of it is. <laughs> I don't know. There's Addie LaRue. Yay. Oh, Addie. Oh, I know. I love Addie. Addie's the best. Anyway, I'm sure somebody at this point has already typed it into the chat. Like, you start, Sherry? How can you forget the name of it? So anyway, it was great. Another one I would recommend if you're not into The Institute. There it is. The Institute oh. by Stephen King. I really enjoyed yeah. that one. So, I haven't read that one. That's, that's something that I need to add to The Institute. That sounds so good. I haven't read that one. Neither am I. Scary. So, but it, okay. but the element of intrigue is there. I'm all about intrigue. Yeah. Well, I Sherry, I I love the horror genre. <laughs> I'm like just scare the crap out of me all the time. You know, all oh, year long. Of us, October. Yeah. Like I don't like to reserve it just for Halloween in October. I love being scared all the time. I don't know why there's something wrong with me, obviously, but no, there's these comics called ice cream man. And in issue eight, they introduce a character, uh, like a clown character. Well, the same creator of the ice cream man, which I, <laughs> which I, I don't like clowns either. No yeah. <laughs> okay. So Maxwell Prince. Okay. Like, you know how, uh, what's his face is your author boyfriend, Stephanie? Um, Jay Kristoff. Yes. Okay. I think Maxwell Prince is my author, comic creator boyfriend. Well, there might be a tie between him and Jason Reynolds. Yeah. But I feel like so many other women love Jason Reynolds that I just, Jay Kristoff. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Pick one that I you love Ruth Reynolds. <laughs> but I think I think Amanda Hunt has us on that one. For real. She <laughs> loves him. Oh my goodness. She's anyway, so let's cute. get into the meat of the show. Oh yeah. So, so, all so day, right? <laughs> Yeah. Real. I well, talk hold on, my read the Ha Ha Comics. Yes, Ha Ha Comics. It's it's like a spinoff of one of the Ice Cream Man issues, and it's yeah, it's taking you know, it takes place with like a group of clowns, and um, they're uh, one shot. Uh, I think I think they're one shot. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just gonna read it today, so I'm like super excited to dive into that. But anyway. Yeah, I know. I don't want to talk about it anymore because I know you guys don't like clowns. No, <laughs> do I, but I love Maxwell Prince. Oh my goodness! Anything that Image puts out, I just think um, Image. Yeah, Image Comics is my jam. Like, are you all hiring? <laughs> Same. I would love to work for a comic book company. It'd be so Dude, much fun. Me too. But anyway, anyway, uh, here we are. <laughs> So this is Sherry Gick. She is a director of professional development with Five Star Technology. I'm super excited to have her here. I met Sherry at, I don't know how many conferences we've been at the same time, but Sherry is a former librarian. So she's always at our librarian conferences and she is like the Google and PD queen. I thought I knew a lot about Google, but when I hear about the things Sherry's doing, I'm like, I know nothing. Oh my goodness. We're super excited to have you here. Uh, tell our viewers about yourself. So um, former librarian always makes me feel kind of funny, right? Because I'm like, once a librarian, always a librarian, which is why we're continuing to talk books, right? As far as, and Karina, why I still read children's books and middle school books and YA, you know, my Goodreads is just all over the place. So um, I actually started out as a special ed teacher so about 20 years in education, um, special education, went in on to do my master's in elementary education, not because I wanted my own class, because bless elementary teachers, I don't know how they have that same class all day long and all children survive. Like that is a miracle <laughs> in my eyes, you know what I mean? But with special education, um, I was doing so much team teaching and collaborating and going in the classrooms. I didn't really have the skill set that I needed to do that. I knew how to work with my kids at the kidney table, right? Right in front of me and be able to modify and work with that group and then send them on their way and then work with the next group. So when I moved back home to North Carolina, they were leading kind of the country. Again, this was back in the dark ages. So I'm also, but they were leading as far as like everything was full inclusion. And so um, all the special ed students were being taught in the classroom. And so I was like teaming up. And so I wanted to kind of, get those tools in my tool belt, right? As far as like how to hold, teach whole groups and, and large classes. Um, and then went into, as far as like, I had I had this super cool job um, in North Carolina where once I had my first child, I was working kind of part-time for the school system, but it was something called a parent resource center. And so it was working with honestly, like parents and before school age children. So like infants, um, preschool kids and then the school age kids would come in at the end of the day, like after school hours. And so kind of a library, it was books, it was toys, it was resources and, you know, setting up like tutoring and, and again, kind of early intervention type. So it was just like this conglomeration of things that I was interested in and able to, um, to do. And then when I ended up coming to Indiana, I was like, okay, okay. Um, spend some time, 
home, not working, right? As far as I have two kids. And um, when I was ready to get back into working, I started working part-time at the public library, right? I've always always had an interest in, I've, I've always been a big reader. So um, started working part-time at the public library, doing like reference and AV, ordering videos and these and all that fun stuff. And I was like, you know what? I, I should probably like pursue this again, lifelong learner. It's like, let's, let's go back to school, right? As you are working on your doctorate. So I was like, let's do this. We've got, we can do this. And so I started working on um, taking library classes, but very quickly found in the public library world, I wasn't so keen about not being with my people, right? As far as like, as an educator, I kind mm -hmm. of missed that. So I had the opportunity to go back to teaching. Um, and so I kind of put library on hold and I went back to special ed for a year and then that librarian retired <gasps> unexpectedly. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, I've got, I've got some library classes. This would be <sighs> super cool. And so I was able to go on an emergency permit, um, interview and hire in at the school where I was already teaching and, and start that journey. Right. And so I started honestly school full time <laughs> and working full time. Like I was like, okay, I have to get at least my, in Indiana, it's 27 hours as far as to get that certification for school library. So I was able to, you know, get through that. And I just, I loved library. I had the opportunity to, I was stationed right in the middle high school library, but I was still in charge of the elementary library where I had an awesome assistant. And so when I needed my, when I needed to, or felt like I really wanted to go read picture books to, to littles, you know, I could just, you know, close this library and go down there and, you know, <laughs> collaborate oh, and technology down there. And so it was such a great, a great situation. And I was able to do that for eight years and loved it. Right. As far as like, I've always said school librarians, honestly, it is the absolute best job in the school because you get to work and teach with every single kid and have that opportunity, that circle of influence, you know, on just so many different things and develop those relationships and see them from year to year. I love that, right? At the middle school level. And again, our situation was unique because it was a super small system. So literally the libraries were in the same building, even though it's two schools. So I could, I didn't even have to get in my car. I could walk to go see my kindergarten babies and then back and hang out with my seniors. So like that was awesome. And something that you know, I could have retired from because again, it was a great situation. I loved what I was doing, um, connecting with other librarians across the country, because honestly, when, you know, when you first get into library and even if you're taking classes, you're not learning what, you're not learning everything that you need, right? As far as like, you're like, I'm supposed to look like I know what I'm doing, but what are you doing at your school? Because yeah. I'm super yeah. unsure about this no. and you know, all of those little questions that you can't ask because nobody in your building understands that. And so I think that's when I really started to get connected on Twitter and reach out because I needed I needed some mentoring. Right. As far as like I needed some people that knew what they were doing that could help me um, actually raise my skills so that I actually wasn't just saying I knew what I was doing, but I literally did. So um, again, love, love, love that. Um, but this opportunity came up where, so Five Star Technology Solutions is actually located 
Um, it's a small company in Southern Indiana, and they were kind of on my radar where I would see them presenting at conferences or doing things in some of the schools in the area. I was like, that's really, that's really kind of interesting, right? As far as like, because my role as librarian grew into library and instructional technology specialists. So, mm -hmm. you know, as far as like we did kind of some merging of roles and job responsibilities where I was also working with Canvas and teaching teachers how to do that and, you know, making that switch when we were ready to go one-to-one. -one. What does that look like? What can we do with this? And so I wasn't just books, right? As far as like, I will always, always love literature and reading. And I think like that's so important, but merging those two kind of got me thinking, what if, right? As far as like, what does this look like? So when that opportunity came, um, I was like, I should try it. You know what I mean? As far as like, because in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, if you don't, you're always going to, you're always going to have that what if, right? As far as like going back to that book in the beginning, um, the Midnight Library, I would always wonder what was inside that book, right? If I, if I didn't make that choice or if I did make that choice, what would be different in my life to choose, you know, to work for this technology company? Because again, they're, they're focused on K through 12. I was like, so it's education, but mm -hmm. not education. Right. So um, so I've been with them now. This is my fifth school year. It'll be five years in July that I've worked for five star. So and definitely as everybody, um, 2020 was a year of change for our company, you know, for our practices, for professional development, just in general. But it's still a choice every day. I'm like, it was a good one. I'm still feeling really, really glad about that choice. So. So for since 2020, you know, was ugh, what it was, did you have to do a lot of webinars and, you know, rethinking how you do trainings for teachers? Yeah. So um, a lot of my job as being, you know, professional development provider, we work locally. As I said, like we work, um, we're located in Indiana. And so I had clients, uh, schools and teachers that I work with within like a driving radius most of the time, you know, where I would go and work with them for the day. Um, but then we're also a Google professional development partner. So there were times I'd drive to the airport and get on the plane and go work and do a Google event or do professional development, you know, based on whatever, whatever I was asked to do. So yeah, well, we say March 13th, actually I was at McCall. And so um, we were, at McCall for sessions and for um, for Google and for Five Star, kind of a combination. And um, I remember, you know, that was when we were starting to hear about COVID. And then the next morning, Google had gone home, and you know, kind of kind of the message of it was like, you know, and this and that. And so we're talking, and we're like, that's you know the Michigan shut down that day, right? They're like, okay, we're going to be shutting oh. down the state and this and that. And so we, we drove back and that was the last conference as far as like face to face that we were participating in. And so March 13th, again, is the day that we kind of refer to in the company. Um, we were all used to working somewhat from home, right? As far as like, you can't be on the road, you can't be in another location five days a week. You have to have some days when you're prepping and planning and getting things together for you to do when you get to a school or get to a location. So um, we were used to doing that, but I remember that transition because it was like, okay, 
here we are. We're all in our homes. Teachers are all in their homes. How do we make that switch? Because usually, even if it was just a one or two hour workshop, teachers and admins really wanted you on site, right? Mm-hmm. My teachers do better when you're in the room. You know, we don't want to do that computer thing, even though literally you're teaching them how to do a Google Meet, how to connect with their students and do those types of things. Mm-hmm. So we have done, honestly, like a 180 as far as how we're offering it, um, what that looks like. And so, you know, our offerings for professional development now, we know that I can work with teachers in Oklahoma for an hour. I can switch and work with Chicago schools that next hour. And so we're able to have such a larger, I guess, influence and mm-hmm. um, not having to have that travel time is actually, I mean, obviously we <laughs> we can work more now, right? As far as <laughs> you can do more events in that way. So it was definitely an adjustment. But I don't I don't want to say it's a bad thing. Right. As far as like it's really nice when you get up in the morning and you just come downstairs to your home office. I mean, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of freedom in that, Um, especially as we were talking about before we started recording when it's really cold outside. (laughs) You're like, I'm good. I can wear short sleeves inside my house. I'm not going out into the sub zero temperatures, you know, putting all my layers on. So there's there's a lot of. good things about that. And honestly, I think a lot of it's been challenging for educators, but they've been able to get over that hump. And now they're like, this is cool. Like These are the things that we've been wanting educators to embrace as far as like how to connect and how learning can continue. It shouldn't be something Oh, it's a it's an e-learning day. Okay, so we have to get the computer out and access mm-hmm. this learning management system that we've never touched. No, it's something you're already doing, right? As far as like it should just be that continuation of learning. Um, students should feel comfortable with that. Teachers too. Not that I am against a face-to-face, right? As far as like because relationships, this is nice, but I would obviously much rather be in a room with both of you, right? As far yeah. as the- that and so we've adjusted as a team with that too as far as like how do we um how do we still connect and feel that camaraderie working as a team planning as a team when um honestly i have people on our team now our professional development team that have never met face to face because we hired during the pandemic and so you know because we've grown and so um, i don't want to say it's the new normal but kind of feels like the new normal. I feel I feel like, you know, as we're looking at conferences in the future, I'm really interested to see what 2022 looks like. Right. I feel like, you know, we we're seeing some some events being planned in the fall and I'm like, mm, I don't think I can quite register for that or jump on that because there were too many events planned for 2020, right? It's like cancel, 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 cancel. Mm-hmm. And so this year it's like, hmm let's just wait, right? As far as like, let's all get vaccinated. And then 2022, we can hopefully return to what that looks like. But I think we'll continue to see this because teachers, honestly, if they don't have to pay more to attend a conference and can get that learning right here and and have their work mullet on, right? As far as like business on the top, party on the bottom, where I don't have to be all dressed up. I could be hanging out in my pajamas and still connecting and learning. I think there's a lot of value to that, that um, again, 
Steph, you, you know what I'm saying as far as like we want schools to embrace that because it's so important in that voice and choice to be able to have those opportunities and not have to spend an arm and a leg to to get them to get that learning. So I, I love that you bring that up because I feel like learning the format that you choose should definitely be the choice. You know, not all of us from Title One school can afford to go in person. Mm-hmm. And afford the hotel rates and the airfare, whatever it is, or however the travel goes. And if there's that access to online professional development, I mean, you're 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 including the people who weren't able to attend in the first place. Yep. And that's always been a conversation that Stephanie and I have. Like that is awesome that at the time, right? Her <laughs> didn't could afford to take her places and I couldn't go because, you know, my schools didn't have the funds or, you know, and in that case, sometimes it's not a priority, unfortunately, you know, for, for districts to send their teachers or their library media specialists or, you know, whomever to different conferences. Sometimes professional development does not take the priority unless it's locally based with, mm-hmm. you know, the immediate facility or, you know, their district. But I feel like, just like you mentioned, online learning for adults is so important now because they need to see the similarities in learning trends, not just yeah. in themselves, but how the students can possibly get based on whatever the teacher's experiences are too. You know, like the kids are learning online. What about you? You know, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing to, to fill that need in your own learning? Because that's something you can definitely model for the kids. Those are my just to be in that role, right? As far as like, I think it's really one of the things I I always stress is I would never want my students to experience something that honestly I haven't tried, right? As far as like, we need to learn about it, experience it from that student's perspective, Mm -hmm. and then it makes you better able to teach it. So I just I think that's really important and. Karina, especially as you were talking about removing those barriers. Like, yes. I mean, every year it, the conversation online becomes how much did that conference yes. cost? Like, what mm-hmm. are the charging? What yes. are the hotel rooms? And I mean, it's just, it's astronomical. And so, you know, looking at even ISTE this year is going to still be online, virtual as it was last year. And so, again, that price point has come down, which has been so controversial. So excited. Yeah, right? I, I know I've y'all are sitting there. I saw. Yeah. I've never been able to go to ISTE because of the price and exactly. the travel. And now being able to actually take part in it. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, I, I mean, again, removing those barriers, I think, is just really, really important. Yeah. I mean, I hope we'll go back to having some face-to-face conferences because again, that's when we get to get together with our people, you know, and there's, there's nothing like that experience, but I'm just interested to see maybe what that hybrid looks like moving forward. And that um, what we've learned from this is that we're going to still hopefully offer that blended opportunity where more people can participate and be a part of that learning. Yeah, I loved how TCEA did their conference this year and how all of the, I don't want to say smaller presentations, but the ones that weren't like sponsored by Google or Microsoft, like our presentation on uh, how we did our own virtual conference, all of those were pre-recorded and they're on demand through March. So I think that that was 
amazing for them to do because all the teachers who normally, you know, wouldn't have access to just that week, or maybe they were only able to go a few days because TCEA is the entire five day week. It's a long uh, conference. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do the whole week. And so I was so excited with the access that all these teachers are still going to get to have, you know, and they get to go in on their own time, choose what they want to do. They're not restricted to like, oh, I, I can only go to this session at this time and then have to yeah. run across the building, go to another one. They have access to everything. Yeah. I'm loving that. Like, I am so proud of TCEA and how they did conference this year. Yeah. And oh, the lines are too long for me to get into the session because I didn't wake up yeah. at 5 a.m. Oh. <laughs> to stand in line for the really popular session. Yeah. And yeah, no, that was that was definitely. And I don't know if anyone else has had this encounter, but I sign up for an online conference, but I'm still working. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's still some responsibilities I need to take care of. It's not like the physical conference where I'm gone, you know, right. libraries close. I don't have an assistant. So the libraries close while I'm gone. And then, you know, I'm in another city doing what I got to do. And then I come back versus, okay, I'm still working. But with the on-demand sessions, I can do my work, you know, go through my work day and then at night catch up. And I'm still catching up on sessions because- Me too. There's just so many, there were so many good topics and I, I don't want to miss any of it. So I'm glad that they extended the, the, uh, on-demand viewing till what was it? March, right? March 5th, I think. Yeah. So definitely taking advantage of that because that's not something you go to a conference and then you leave and then that's it, you know, and it's like, oh man. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's like, a video, it's like, you said, as far as like, you can, you can watch, you can rewatch, you, you have that option. And I, I think that really. A lot of us are getting spoiled to that as far really as are. having that availability. You know, you see something, you're like, that's cool. There's no way that I can actually join that live session, but I'm still going to register because it's going to come to my email and I'm going to get that recording right there to access for later, which is so convenient. Um, that being said, sometimes I sign up and I still, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I didn't get a chance to watch that, you know, because, um, that, that is the downside is I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, gosh, I, I'm starting to get a headache. Why? Because I don't have my blue light glasses on. Right. Because, you know, it's like after you spend eight hours in front of computer, it's like, oh, oh do I really want to watch a video tonight? And so, you know, prioritizing which ones that I want. But I do love that availability as far as having having that access, I think, is so important for mm -hmm. real. So you've talked about, you know, what you do and how you got there. What do you like best and what are some challenges in your new position? So I think originally, um, anytime you move from education into something that's not school-based, that's that's a huge learning curve, right? As far yeah. as, like I said, I, I worked in education for, for 20 years, as far as like that 7.30 to 3.30 schedule, you live by the bell, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> even at the elementary level, it may not be a bell, but you're still, you have that schedule as far as like what time specials are happening and when are you going to be able to have a minute and a half to actually make it to the bathroom and get back before somebody's going to be in your library, you know what I mean? Like it's so... Um, time crunched. And so um, that was an adjustment, especially as I was saying, as far as like having the time at my house in my office where I'm prepping before I go to a school and you're like, I need to use the bathroom. And you're so used to not, <laughs> not responding to that. And you're like, wait a minute, I can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can do that. 
I can put a load of laundry in and keep working and then put it into the dryer again. Like some of these things are so weird and you feel super guilty about it because <laughs> you, you are so used to, because you know, there's that perception that, Oh, what do librarians do? You just check out books all day. Like, uh, first of all, do everything. I'm like, after the first year, I stopped checking out the books. I'm like, what the heck? Why am I doing this? Y'all check out the books because I want to be over here teaching, recommending books, working with teachers and let students check out their own books. I was like, um, I don't, I am not the keeper of the books, right? <laughs> let the students do that. But so used to, as far as like, um, I think justifying your importance, right? As far as like, because librarians across the country, I'm loving your shirt, Stephanie. I have I have one as well, right? America needs librarians, but there's such a misconception as to what we do and how we do it. Um, you're so used to just justifying every single minute of your day mm -hmm. and so to have that removed and be trusted as a professional that the work will get done. Um, it's a very, a very huge adjustment, but one again that I've appreciated. So it's like, okay, they, they know I'm going to do the work and whatever that flexibility looks like. I mean, obviously there are times when it's very regimented as well, you know, because you're like, I've got to be at this school, but then I'm going to have to be at the school right afterwards. Right. So what does that travel time look like? And so, um, every day is different which of course every day in the library is different as well, which I love, I love variety. And so that, you know, making that jump was good, but um, definitely a little bit different there. Um, other challenges, we have an awesome team and <clears throat> we've kind of been looking at, looking at our team the past week um, as we are again, interviewing. And so looking at what do we look for in a team member? What skills, or, you know, what do we value? And some of the conversations have come back to what are the challenges? And it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's imposter syndrome because you're working with this team of amazing educators and you're like, I have no idea. Like that person just shared something. You're like, oh, I, I didn't know you could do that in Google. Like I'm, I'm jotting it down, you know, and you're continually, continuously learning, but just remembering like you're in this position for a reason, right? You have some skill sets and knowledge that they don't as well, but it can be, I mean, you know, I think we feel that way at conferences when we get to present and then you're like, why is she coming to my session? Like she could totally yeah. teach this session, right? And so I think that imposter syndrome is just something that permeates us and um, we have to remember to value ourselves, right? As far as like, again, I'm here for a reason. I, I have value too, I have skills, but um, that self-talk is really important no matter where you are and what, yeah. what role. I love that you talked about that because I feel like, especially now when, you know, we, we all love educational technology, like we're here for it. We want to push, we want to help teachers get better at it. But there are so many times when you think like, maybe, I, you know, maybe I, I need to learn something else. And maybe, you know, I don't know what I think I know. And that imposter syndrome has really crept up on a lot of teachers and educators because of the pandemic. And I think what you said is important, that self-talk and knowing you know, what I know is enough and what I'm, what I'm doing is important. And I think so many teachers need to hear that right now. So thank you for, for saying that. And I think it's okay. I mean, like I, I always had this attitude with my students. If they ask me something I didn't know, 
I didn't make up an answer. You know, yeah. I was like, I'm not sure. Let's let's see if we can figure that out together. Or, you know, or what do you know about this? And so I think the same is true with teachers. It's okay not to be, again, the purveyor of all knowledge. It's okay to say, I don't know. Let's Google that. Where, where can we look for these answers? Yeah. And, and, and Stephanie, I bet this has happened to you. I've been in the middle of leading sessions and have a question come up that I don't know the answer to. And mm -hmm. especially with Google, right? As far as like, we just had all the big announcements come out this week. And so in the back of my head, like there's going to be so much learning to make sure that we're saying the right things that go with all the new updates. But you know, things change so quickly in ed tech. It, you have to be okay with going, let's let's double check on that. I think it's such and such. And um, I've seen Fry do the same thing, right? As far as, as we're presenting things live, you're like, I'm pretty sure this is the answer, but let's be sure, right? And yeah. I think that really shows, um, I think people value that as well. You know what I mean? As far as like that genuineness that you're not just going to just give me an answer that may or may not be correct. You want, you want to be certain, right? So. Yeah. I have to, I have to remind my teachers about that too. Sometimes they'll reach out to me during their conference periods on teams and they'll say, you know, how do you do this? And there's certain restrictions <laughs> that I have because I don't have classes assigned to me. So I'll have to manually add students to my class and kind of see and I'll tell them like, you know, from the beginning, like, okay, just keep in mind that I don't have the same, you know, importing of students and data that you have on your end. I just let, give me like an hour. <laughs> let, me figure it out. let me research it, right? That's what we yeah. do. We're, li we're librarians. We're always going to want to test it and research it so that exactly. I'm giving you the best answer. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't say, okay, well, I don't know. Bye. It's like, let me, let me figure it out. Like, give me the mm -hmm. day at least, you know, give me a couple of, give me a few hours to get the kids involved. Let me see if maybe they can pretend to turn in an assignment to me and then I can do a screen recording just in case we can't meet in the afternoon. So, you know, that flexibility in, in knowing that, I guess, yeah, not knowing gives you the flexibility to say, okay, I don't know, but let me see what I can do for you anyway, or this is what I found, this is what somebody else has done, you know, someone else has done on this tutorial, maybe that might help. And if it doesn't, because it's, it's a specific issue to our district, you know, uh, technology infrastructure, then, you know, I have to go higher up to somebody else. And it, it's a team effort. And I think that's, that's what a lot of people need to acknowledge is it's like, it just doesn't fall on the educator themselves. When you're working online, it's an entire network of people, yeah. you know, it's, it's the educator, it's your end users, right? And then the people that create the systems, like all the way to the top. It, and sometimes it's gotten to the point where I just need to reach out to May, right? Cause she oversees the Google <laughs> trainer stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the answer is, like help me. <laughs> and, you know, and then involving yourself in those uh, online communities, you know, uh, whatever certifications that you may have that are uh, stressing the importance of different tools that you use, you know, in your schools, reaching out to those online communities is so important too, because we are working online, right? Absolutely. Yeah. like. I, I've only known about you online. I've stalked you a couple of times. <laughs> and I always thought, you know, like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool to see at her conference in Amber. And then look at us now. Here we are. Here we are. It's just the importance, right, of networking and online and building those relationships, I think, most yes. important, to get the answers that we need for 
for the people that we work for and with. Yeah. I think the important thing about that whole thing is we're still learning. You know, we're in the positions we are and there's no way for us to know everything. And so when somebody asks us something that we might stumble on, it's having that not just humility, but that modeling of, I don't know, but let's figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's super important as educators because we need a not just for each other, but showing the kids like I don't know everything, mm -hmm. and it's okay. And I'm never going to right. Yeah. It's like, that, that's not something we're ever going to get to. And so yeah. I, I love that, and also you know knowing who who are my best people to ask right. Where wow. are my best sites to look for it? So. Uh, different types of resources. People are always my number one resource, right? As far as like, like you said, Karina, what's happening? Is this been discussed in the trainer list serve that we need to kind of check some of those emails? Maybe other people are having similar, you know, problems. And then, you know, what does that look like? And so um, modeling that for teachers, that it's, it's important to have those places to ask questions. Like you can't always be available 24 seven to every single one of your teachers in your building. And you know what I mean? And, and I think that sometimes we feel like that, especially when, when you are the librarian in the building, you feel like it all rests on your shoulders. And so helping them, you want them to reach out to you, but you want them to learn places that they can find those answers too. Exactly. Yeah. And building those resources to help them become, you know, self-reliant and self-directed in their learning you know, creating a Google Classroom specifically for my teachers, a Teams channel specifically for my teachers was very important, you know, teaching them how to access, most importantly, where everything is. And I've just seen so many teachers take off with it. And now I'm so proud of them because we'll be in a meeting and somebody will ask me a question and another teacher will chime in with the answer. And I'm like, yes, that is what I wanted. Yes. Like, thank you so much. Because it's hard to answer, you know, 100 questions a day from the students. And then, you know, and the fact that they're helping each other out now, they're building little online communities with each other. It is, it makes you want to cry. So I'm like, I'm so, and I, and I try to tell them as often as I can, like, I'm so proud of you. Like, look at how much you've learned, you know, this year, like things that you, you felt you never would have tackled. And because you had to look at all the possibilities, look at all the doors that it's open, look at all the experience you've gained, the skills that you've that you've mastered because you trusted in, yes, me to help you, but in yourself to like trust yourself to look for the answer and actually do it and go about it and, and you know, just empower. It's so empowering. Yeah. And I'm just so proud. So if any of my teachers are watching, I love you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> That's the best feeling, right? As far as like, because you love to see growth in, I mean, you have that relationship with your teachers. You love to see growth in your students, but your teachers also, because you're, you're growing them as well. And so yeah. um, 2020, again, craziness, awful things, but in education, I really feel like it allowed that fast forward button to happen, yeah. right? As far as like, and like you said, things that we'd never thought that we could accomplish in one year, you know what I mean? As far as that, that, that complete pivot, oh, we're going to be teaching virtually in three days. Okay. Teachers were like, bring it right. As far as like, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out because this is what we have. And we want to do what's best 
for kids, right? We want to do what's best for our students. And so again, that voice inside their head might've been saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, but that smile <laughs> on their face every time they were joining that classroom, right? As far as like connecting with their students and being able to do that. And so, like you said, you did it, right? Like you, you did the hard things. And now you're like, now that you did it, what can I refine? Like what, what are the things you still want to learn about? So yeah, I mean, education, teachers have just been rock stars. Beyond. Like, it's been yeah. amazing to watch. If I could give a digital badge to every single teacher out there, I would. You should make a 2020 badge, like 2020 <laughs> survival teacher. Oh my badge. gosh. Yes. yes. From Tech It Over, feel free to. <laughs> Feel free to paste it on your blog. Go ahead and design that. Yeah, yeah. Send it out. We, we'd like to see it. So those of you watching, we want to see that great design. <laughs> yes. On on Twitter, I actually, man, I wish I, I need to go back and uh, properly cite this person. But somebody had said in a Twitter comment, there is no rubric for teaching during a pandemic, for learning during a pandemic. So, I mean... As much as we try to... I'm going through so many sticky notes right now. Yeah. <laughs> as much as we try... It was our to, first world pandemic, right? None yeah. of us. There, exactly. there was no measuring stick for it. Like you said, no rules, no rubric. I mean, again, none of us have ever been through a world pandemic before. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime thing, hopefully. But now, you know, we're, we're, we're recognizing it shed light on so many things that we have, as educators have said, like, look at the digital divide, you know, equitable access to technology. We've been saying this for years. There's so many hundreds and hundreds of studies. And now everyone, you know, government officials are like, oh, like, it's a surprise? <laughs> How long have we been saying this? I mean, we do not have the technological infrastructure to to do this properly or in the manner that you want us to in order for our students to get these gains on these assessments like yeah. this is not this is not how we should be assessing anything like we do not know we're trying our best to navigate this this era of learning you know as cliche as that sounds now but it's true. I mean, there's no way to add a measure to that. And it's, you know, the kids are doing the best they can, you know, and I'm proud of them every single day that they come in. I, I tell Stephanie, like, oh, my God, I'm answering all these kids' like responses. There's like over 200 comments on the library school classroom a day from students. And I'm like, I'm so proud of them for what, like, yeah, it blows up. <laughs> and I'm trying to catch up with all their comments. But I'm proud of them for showing up, you know, because they That's can Yes, they're asking, they're showing up, they're turning on their computers, they're, they're talking about their classes. You know, I sent an email to my teachers, like, if you're wondering if you're doing a good job, just know that you are, because these kids are blowing up the stream, talking mm -hmm. about between class and asking me where they can find this or that, like, you're doing a good job. Like, that. that is not the question. It's, it's just, you know, we're trying the best we can, and everyone needs to you know, I think everyone just needs to really pat themselves on the back, because Truth. Yeah, they. Everyone needs a digital badge. We need to work on that, Stephanie. <laughs> everyone is doing the best that they can, and that's what that's what we all have to remember, right? As far as like we don't we don't know what's happening outside of the camera, outside of this you know tiny little bit of the virtual world that we're seeing, and so remember. 
Um, if a teacher is struggling with something, what else is going on, right? If a student isn't showing up, what else is going on? I mean, that that big yeah. picture, like you said, all the disparity and inequity that this has brought to light. I think um, one of the things that we just keep continuously reminding our team about is our mantra is grace, right? We're going to extend grace to you. When you see my cat come across the keyboard, when yeah. I when I see your kid right beside of you because you're doing the best that you can. I mean, this is this is the world that we are living in. And hopefully it's um, brought our humanity more to light. Right. As far as like that, we cannot have a perfect facade all the time. Right. As far as like, I think it's made us more human in acknowledging, you know, as far as like this is what's going on and I'm doing the best I can. So extending that grace to everyone. I think is really. I love, I love I love that you bring that up because I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh man, definitely way before all this happened. It was that that guy. He was on some news channel, and his little girl walks into the room, and she's like dancing, and and the mom comes in and grabs her, like, oh my god, like yeah, she had, I remember like a yellow shirt yes. or something, like that bright color. Yes, and I remember everyone saying like, oh my God, you know, how embarrassing. And it's like, hey, look at you now. You know, you're behind the screen, you're doing, like that guy was foreshadowing something because, you know, because now that's everybody's reality and not just his. And, you know, that guy was ahead of the curve from the, from the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just always think about that guy it's like, yeah. Well, before no. we wrap up, Sherry, do you have a favorite tech tool that you have had, like that you've been using frequently or that you've been recommending the most to teachers through all this? Mm. You know what? I, I live in the Google ecosystem, right? As far as like, that's just what I do. And one thing, like if, if I'm at a conference, I'm talking to you about Keep, right? As far as like organizing, yeah. because I really love that online app. But what I tend to fall back for, for creating, for doing anything on is Google Slides. They are yes. so versatile. Instead of putting something into a Google document, I love slides as far as being able to kind of change the exact, you know, um, the width, the length, what that looks yep. like. So it should look like a piece of paper and you can just customize it so much. So I love Google Slides. It's like the Swiss Army knife of, of Google. Being able oh, to pull that one out, you can yeah. just do amazing things with a slide. They're not just PowerPoint. You know what I mean? As far as like, it's not just for sharing information. So I think- I love that. The Swiss my Army knife. <laughs> that tends to be my go-to. Yeah. What? We were just talking about that. I was telling Karina how much I love slides and how I use them for everything. They're just, yeah, they're amazing. I love it. Really, so versatile. So yes. yeah, that's for creation. That's that's where I tend to live. It feels like awesome. there's just so much you can do. So yeah. much you can do. Yeah. yeah well, we're so grateful to have you here today. Where can our viewers find you? I think probably the best thing we've alluded to this earlier, but Twitter, Twitter's where Twitter. I tend to connect. So yeah, Sherry Wingick on Twitter. Um, that's my handle in a couple different places. So I, I won't mention the long forgotten blog. It's still out there. There's no material on it. It's one of those things where you're like, one day I'm going to, but you know, I love I'm extending grace to myself right now. I am not blogging at the end of the day or adding information there. But yeah, mm -hmm. I'd love to connect on Twitter. 
Awesome. All right. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me let me put that up again just in case, guys. In case you missed that, follow Sherry Gick on Twitter at Sherry N Gick. Uh, trust she posts just amazing content and um you know she is a big reader and i'm noticing like yes there's definitely some literacy connections there too so your librarian watching so much to learn from you cherry you're just so full of knowledge and so fun oh my gosh you are so fun <laughs> stephanie that's all she could say was like no you're really gonna like her i'm like i'm nervous <laughs> i've never oh, met her <laughs> So fun, so humble, so down to earth. Oh my goodness, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sherry. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you have any final, anything else you want to share with our viewers before we end tonight? Thanks again for having me. It's been, again, just fun just to hang out, right, Karina? As far as I feel like we're old friends, just talking and, and catching up rather than just meeting for the first time. Again, I think you heard me mention this, but teachers, Get yourself some blue light glasses. Yes. yes. It is really, really important. And I've got them kind of at each desk. So if you are spending a lot of time in front of the screen, then they are worth it. I just bought mine on Amazon, right? As far as like, our whole team ordered them and we're like, okay, we don't know if it's placebo effect, but it's working for me. So yeah. <laughs> give no, them a try. <laughs> they do make a difference for sure. Absolutely. And you're right. Amazon, I got like three for 15 bucks. So exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. to an Amazon search. A mug full of my blue light glasses. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the house. I don't even keep track of them anymore. It's just like whatever I find. <laughs> yeah. Although I find myself trying to use them like my real glasses, and I'm like, uh, no, Sherry, you have contacts in. They're not, they're not bifocals. You're not going to be able to see anything more clearly. You're still going to have to. Stephanie said earlier, you're still going to have to zoom, have to control plus, and make that a little bit bigger. So, that is so cute. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for being on our show and for celebrating our thirteenth. Thirteen, lucky thirteen. Yes, so excited. Um, for those of you watching today, just, you know, uh, watch out for our next episode. Uh, hopefully, if we're not thrown any weather-related oh, protocols, uh, we should be uh, on episode 14, Wednesday, March 3rd. We'll be going live with Allie the Librarian. And yes, on podcasting. She does such an amazing job with podcasting for her students. And she has her own podcast as well, Allie the Librarian Book Talks. Make sure to check it out on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So I can't wait for you all to meet her because she's she's great. And again, Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on our 13th episode. You're amazing. And if you guys, if you haven't followed her, make sure to follow her please on Twitter at Sherry and Gick. Well, guys, that's it for tonight. So, uh, Stephanie, do you want to do our sign-off? Yeah. All right. All right. Stay positive. Stay positive. And test negative. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.